This is Ashley Hodge with the Sikkim 365 post-game podcast, coming to you pretty late after the game. Um, I'm joined by Kendall Cout, and uh, we're going to talk about Baylor's 77-75 to loss in Austin. Kind of a heartbreaking loss, Kendall. I was there in person. You were watching on television. Um, we just want to give some, some post-game thoughts on this. You know, my thoughts in general, before I ask your opinion, were – I thought Baylor played pretty well offensively. You know, they did some really good things. They at 1.24 points per possession. That's good. Uh, didn't turn the ball over, you know, you know much, 10, 10 times. But, you know, that's you'll, you'll take that on the road. And, and then I thought, you know, they shot the ball really well. Uh, made 80% of the free throws. Those are all good numbers. But they couldn't get stops when they needed to. And uh, Texas was able to pull out the win in spectacular fashion, a, a buzzer beater by – Tyrese Hunter, and, and first of all, congratulations to Tyrese Hunter on the best game that he'll have past, present, or future in his career. Ken, what are your thoughts? <laughs> yeah, uh, off the top, I agree. It was deeply frustrating because Texas has, has, Texas has not had guards play right. that well at any time this season. Even with Baylor's bad defense, they still played out of their minds. That's kind of the frustrating part. The thing that I just keep coming back to with this team is when they're good, they're quite good. That Auburn team now looks far better than we thought they would be when we covered that game and looked right. at who Auburn was in November. So that win looks great for Baylor. And how they played in the second half looks great there. But this team's just not capable of lackadaisical effort for two minutes and thinking we can overcome that. Right? The 2020-21 and until John got hurt in 22 and James got injured 22 Bears, you know, Scott and everybody could get mad at him. But those guys could not care for four minutes and it wouldn't matter because then they could just lock down for five possessions in a row and go on a 10-0 run, no problem. And Baylor's had some of those this season against worse teams. But I think Baylor has to just really get to a spot where it's, we can't go more than 90 seconds for the Bears, making mistakes. Might have to call a few more timeouts. Scott Drew, I really thought he went against conventional wisdom for years, and it was, if I got to burn all four timeouts, but with 10 minutes left in the game, we'll just play the rest of the game without a timeout, that kind of thing. And I think there maybe needs to be a willingness so I guess my two takeaways, because it's a rambling thing for me, are really disappointing week from Ray J. Dennis. I think it was 2 of 15 against K-State. What, did he have two shots today, Ashley? Yeah. I, I mean, mean, just to me, that's he has eight assists yeah. and two turnovers. And I know Texas is trying to make him pass, but there were opportunities for him, and we talked about it a little before we came on the broadcast. Could have backed down Texas's guards. There were also opportunities for him to take guys off the dribble. And I don't think he set Baylor up well this week. When people want to screen and get the ball out of his hands, he needs to get the ball into someone's hands a little bit quicker. So horrible week for Ray J. Dennis. So this is one of the worst weeks that Baylor point guards had in a while. Doesn't mean he's an awful point guard, just an awful week. And then just, I think some lineup narrowing has to happen where you can't play some of these guys together when you have three non-offensive threats out there. So I just think this is a, Baylor kind of knows who it is right now, be the best version of itself it can be. And for all the talk of this lineup goes 10-11 deep, I think this lineup goes seven, sometimes eight deep. And that eighth deep is mere little to me over anybody else. Yeah. Well, I mean, I agree with your thoughts. Um, and, and first of all, I think I said the score wrong. I, th- I, said, I said 77, 75, 75, 73 is what I meant. The, um, my frustrations were a few things. Number one, they gave uh, Max Asmus a couple of clean looks at the, at the three early. I thought that was like, come on, man. <laughs> you got to make him dribble. I mean, yeah, he can make pull-up two-point jumpers, but we want him taking that all day long versus clean looks at three. You know, Tyrese Hunter, I don't know what he came into the game, you know, shooting from three. It, it wasn't – I don't think it was a, a huge – it was like 35%. Um, 
I think before the game. Uh, so, you know, that's okay. Um, but you know, you didn't expect him to, to, you know, shoot the ball like he did this game. You know, he had a great game and, and, you know, hats off to him, uh, made the play at the end as well. And then of course, uh, you know, Dylan DeSue, uh, makes two or three threes also. Uh, so they're nine, nine of 11, the first half, but you survive it. You know, you, you get, you get to the half, you're down one, I believe. And, uh, you know, the Bears go up six, you know, in the second half. And then just, you know, too much of a drought down the stretch. Uh, miss some easy shots we would normally make. You know, it, it just, you know, just kind of a, a combination of frustrating things. But one of my biggest frustrations was we didn't take advantage of their lack of size in the backcourt. You know, I think you have to, like, be intentional about getting those guys on post-ups. Uh, they tried to do that. I, I remember one time Langston Love got Asmus uh, posted up. Dylan DeSue came over to help, and, and we, you know, got a foul on DeSue, and, and uh, Langston went to the line. I think he made both of his free throws. You know, so, I mean, there were there were attempts to do that, but, you know, Ray J, to your point, I mean, that's his strength. Like, you know, getting getting in the paint and getting, you know, easy shots. And, you know, Scott Drew offenses have to have, you know, point guards that can score and – you know, I think he he is he is doing a good job setting up people up, but I mean he's got to look for his opportunities. I think the offense is you know just stagnating too much without him being a scoring threat. Yeah, it's just really really awful week for him. Can't really spin it any other way. And to me, the most disappointing thing was they lost two games in different fashion, but they all related to in crunch time. I didn't think Baylor had the toughness you want to see from a team. That doesn't mean they didn't have toughness with Langston Love getting into the paint, but for me, the lack of toughness means who do you need to be? those final two possessions and lock in intelligently K-State game, Josh Ojanwuna gets out of the rotations for Baylor. Then he ends up having to close out late. So what's he do? He fouls Arthur Kaluma, both giving him an open three. So he hits it and then he has to crash late into him. So it gives him a four point play. So Baylor has no chance to win in overtime. Whereas today it felt like Baylor didn't get where it wanted to be position wise after Jalen Bridges hits that three to tie the game. This continues to relate to me of, I know it's hard if there are only seven guys that play almost all of the game, but the mental toughness is not where it was, I think, for some of Baylor's past teams. And that's what has to get better for Baylor if they want to win some of these rock fights they're going to continue to have in Big 12 play. Well, and, and the one play, I'd, I'd have to watch the replay of it to, you know, pass judgment on it. But um, I think from my vantage point, there was, a, there was a play when Baylor was up down one and there was a loose ball that, like, bounced right in front of Josh and he just kind of watched it and didn't go get it. And... Texas was quicker to the ball, and I believe DeSue ended up getting fouled and made free throws on that trip, so now they're down three. Um, you know, that's just – got to get those loose balls in those situations. And, you know, there are plays like that. Now, to Josh's credit, he was only – he only was given one block on the day, but he, he actually made two. I remember he got one against Weaver and one against Dylan Mitchell in the first half, so it was good to see him protect the rim and uh, do a better job, you know, contesting shots. But uh, – yeah, I mean, 19 minutes, one rebound. Um, Eve Missy goes 21 minutes, two rebounds. You know, the, these are these are guys that need to get stronger. Uh, you know, Missy's probably only going to be here for a year. Um, it it kind of makes you wonder, you know, do we need, like, you know, going forward? I mean, obviously, there was some, some attempts. We were talking before we started the pod, Olivier, uh, Nakamqua or whatever, however you pronounce his last name, at Michigan. Uh, he commits to Baylor on his visit, so you think you're going to get him. 
and he ends up at Michigan, you know, that would have been a grown man in the front court. You're expecting John, uh, you know, to, to give you um, really good minutes this year, and he just can't, you know, he's a former shell of himself. So so there's some things that happen, you know, that I mean, the, I'm sure the staff was thinking we got to get a grown man in the front court. Uh, you know, Caleb, you, you're probably expecting him to develop more than he did, uh, you know, in the offseason. Um, he's, you know, gives you hustle, and, and I think there's a role for him. But, uh, you know, offensively, he's he can go through some pretty rough spots. So any, anyway, there, that's the issue, I think, you know, is – is as good as our bigs have been, um, they're going to have to grow up fast because these games against these experienced, you know, Shedricks and Disu and, and uh, you know, some of the uh, teams we got coming up, you know, the Cincinnati bigs, the, the BYU bigs. I mean, it's it's going to be a war out there. TCU is going to be no different. You know, you got them coming. Yeah, you got to play Hunter up. Dickinson twice. Hunter Dickinson. But, you know, the flip side of this, listen, we got we got to have some, some perspective here. It's really, really tough to win games on the road. And, you know, Texas is, you know, they've had their struggles, but they, um, you know, they're still like a, you know, a, a, a good, talented team capable of beating anybody at home. And, uh, you know, their backs were against the wall and, and they performed well today. So, uh, you know, they deserve credit for, for rising to the occasion. You know, they've got some experienced guys. And, you know, Kansas State is tough to beat there. We know We know that. Uh, today, you know, obviously West Virginia beats Kansas. Uh, Texas Tech beats BYU after BYU is up big. Uh, Iowa State, you know, might be the only road win today. Oh, no, uh, Oklahoma as well. Uh, and, and they only win by one at TCU after being up big. Uh, Oklahoma beats Cincinnati, kind of a little bit of a surprise to me there. But, um, you know, it's it's just tough to go on the road and get wins. You know, Oklahoma State's up on Kansas State right now in Manhattan. Uh, but, you know, I, I would probably say Kansas State's going to pull that out at home uh so you know life in the big 12 you're when you when you have back-to-back road games it's highly possible you're going to take two losses no matter who you are it very much is actually and that is good perspective for where baylor is but if you have any dreams of kind of catching houston this week made it super tough because where houston is how they lost their close games and then bouncing back and just smoking teams since then i mean i think houston's right now the clear favorite in the big 12 and you know, you can be a little bit more down on them, but it just it's hard for me to see. I don't know. I mean, obviously the record's the same right now, but I'm real worried about Baylor's ability to catch Houston with what I've seen this week, and I continue to be a little bit more down on Kansas. So there could be a bunch up there where second place is 11 and seven, 11 and seven, 11 and seven, 11 and seven, and then we get to have fun with what how does the double buy work right. for the Big 12 tournament schedule. Um, but this was just a really tough week because, to me, these are I don't think I think both K State and Texas have a good shot to miss the NCAA tournament. And they should have won the K-State game pretty easily several times in regulation. And then today, even with how insane Texas shot in the first half, they had so many opportunities to do it. And that's what just, I think, really hurts. And I think on top of that, what naturally hurts is who knows when K- or, excuse me, who knows when Baylor and Texas will play and Austin again. Right. And so to allow Rodney Terry and Texas to have ultimate scoreboard when they're coming off the UCF nonsense, like I just think this is a very unlikable Texas team, and that makes it tough. And, I mean, there aren't a lot of likable Texas teams, but – in a race to unlikability, um, they've achieved the Aggie award to me of the least likely or the least likable university. <laughs> I would give it to Texas in basketball right now. Like that's my least favorite basketball team in the country right now. Just I don't like how they play. I don't think there are a lot of guys that are easy to root for on the team besides maybe Max Amos. I just I, I, I don't like him. So that that made the game really tough for me to kind of see and evaluate and 
watch that contest and kind of what was it like for you in the arena, Ashley? <laughs> well, all right. First of all, I'll say the hospitality for the people that worked there was great. Um, you know, kind of one a weird thing. I, they may have had a media setup, but I certainly didn't find it, and and no one directed it, me to the media area. Um, so I just wandered down on the floor and and was just gonna you know watch it from a corner. Uh, and there actually was a seat right behind the bench uh, that I that I sat in for the game uh, and, and just watched it you know kind of as a fan perspective. You know the Texas fans behind me, the season ticket holders, they were they were fine. The students, I will say, um, they try hard to heckle, and they're pretty poor at their at their heckling. I'm, and, and maybe this is most student sections, but you know some of the comments were, you know, they were on Langston Love for some reason. You know, somebody must have like got dunked on by Langston in high school, or or Langston took his girlfriend or something <laughs> because I mean he was on them from from the opening uh, tip to the to the end of the game and you know, calling him a fraud and, and, you know, just like, just, you know, completely, you know, heckling him from start to finish. Uh, and, and they were, you know, definitely uh, throwing out, you know, Scott drew to Louisville, Scott drew to wherever, you know, there was like all kinds of comments like that, you know, I mean, I, I think our staff does a really good job of, of tuning that stuff out, but um, you know, I mean, it's not that hostile as as far as arenas. It's way better than the drum, and and I don't think they win this year's game and last year's game um, in the drum. Uh, so I do think it's it's a it's a it's an improvement over their atmosphere that they had. I think Foster's better, um, you know, and I think it's you know just the setup. Uh, you know, Texas, you know, fan base just tends to be more of a sit on your hands. Uh, you know, not not the route of your fan base, not a Texas Tech, you know, type of situation. So, anyway, I mean, I I I, I thought it was uh, I thought it was fine, but uh, overall, I would just say that um, it is very disappointing that we didn't win that game because that was that was a winnable game, and we played a lot better than we did against Kansas State. Kansas State was frustrating for different reasons. You know, I thought we played pretty well in this game, but uh, whether you call it bad luck or, or bad defense, I, you know, I don't know. But we did we didn't get the stops necessary uh, to win that game. No, the Bears didn't at all. And just the defensive intensity has to step up. Um, you know, we're, we're paid to analyze the game, so I'll just say it. Ray J. Dennis has got to run around screens tougher. Right. Uh, he gets screened way too easily. And I guess the positive thing, because I've been so negative, I thought Jaden Nunn played an almost exemplary, slash yes. perfect game. He was good. Uh, I was, I was kind of surprised he wasn't in there the last, like, six minutes because – he was so good, you know, prior to that. But, um, you know, but Langston and, and um, Jacoby, you know, were playing good. And, and, you know, you want Ray J in there for ball handling. I get that. So, um, you know, totally trust the coach's decisions on, on who to play when. And, and, and they tend to, you know, finish games with Langston. So, um, no issues there. But, uh, yeah, I mean – Jaden was fantastic. Jalen Bridges was really good. Jacoby Walter was really good. There, there's a lot of bright spots, um, you know, as far as, you know, just offensive effectiveness and, you know, of course, Ray J's ball handling, doing a good job against pressure. But, uh, you know, it just it just would have been nice to, uh, after that three, at least go to overtime and see see what you get, you know. But, uh, I mean, you know, one, one, some of the talk down there was like, you know, Scott had a timeout and, and – I don't remember if they had a chance to talk about it before Jalen hit the three, but, you know, I think that would have been a great time to use that timeout and, uh, you know, set your defense, but uh, it wasn't to be. 
Yeah, I'm open to either side of this take because I think obviously if Scott Drew uses the timeout and then Texas gets set and runs a play and scores, we yeah. would all be saying, man, what do you do if Texas time to run a play for? Right, but right. then what ends up happening is obviously we know what happened. Uh, Baylor seemed out of sorts. They seemed like they were still celebrating. Um, that's not good. And I think it relates to the ultimate point is you got to be mentally tough enough to, if you hit a three, even if it's an incredible shot by Jalen Bridges, job's not done, move on to the next play, right. get to overtime, celebrate then. And so that's where Baylor has to get a little bit better. Um, and that's why I have said for a couple of weeks on the uh, message boards, Jaden Nunn was playing pretty horribly offensively. And we had some people, I think, rightfully say, hey, maybe Jaden shouldn't play because his offensive game wasn't there. And I pointed out, I've had a lot of cold takes, but I think I was at least right on this where I said, the effort he gives defensively, you've got to reward yeah. when the program wants to turn around defensive intensity and to give him a little bit of leeway to get the offense there. And today the offense came around a lot better. I think he can still be a little bit more aggressive from three. But to me, it speaks so well to Jaden Nunn that they ask him to pick up the opponent's point guard for 94 feet, and he does that. And then he still runs around on offense. And then when teams want to just screen him nonstop to try and force Baylor to switch, he runs around screens so tough in almost every game. So I've been tough on Jaden Nunn at times this season, but for all the negatives we can say, I just want to say he played so well. Jalen Bridges played so well. Uh, I don't think those guys have any fault for the loss today. And I know you don't want to divide the team or anything like that, but this one I think just really hurts, especially with how well those two played. Like it just yeah, can't it, speak it, enough for how much the game hurts with how well those guys played. And Jacoby. I mean, Jacoby was terrific on the glass. Um, you know, seven rebounds, a lot a lot of tough defensive rebounds, gets to the free throw line 11 times. He's the one guy on the team that you can count on to do that, uh, kind of like Keontae last year. You know, so I think th- those are all positives. Um, but, you know, Langston, he played, he played solid. Um, you know, he didn't have any turnovers in the stat sheet, uh, three assists, you know, missed, missed a couple shots he would normally make in the lane. Uh, in and out, you know, but good shots. I mean, you, you take those in, within the offense. Um, I, I was happy with the way he played. And, you know, Ray J, except for, you know, not, you know, forcing the issue, not getting over ball screens like you mentioned, uh, you know, I think, you know, his his, his uh, floor game was good. You know, our bigs, I don't know, just maybe just grown man's game today, a little bit of lack of physicality. I didn't think they played bad, but but you you, you were wanting more from those guys, I guess, you know, just to – really control the glass. I think so. And I think that this is the perfect time. You always kind of in football will say the bye week hits at a perfect time for Baylor to not have a midweek game this week, I think comes to the perfect time where the guys should be angry about losing two games. They should have won. Right. And it gives Baylor a week to say, what do they want to do in ball screen coverage? So Baylor began the season uh, pretty clearly wanting to play drop coverage where the big man stays back in the free throw line area. The guards asked to fight around the screen to provide some resistance. So when the ball handler comes down off the screen, the big man back there can either step up and defend or he can stay back so there's no lob or pass to the big man. And the problem for Baylor kind of from that Auburn game, and I even texted with somebody on the staff, was are you sure you can play drop coverage with how some of the guards can't really fight around screens and how the bigs aren't quite as good in that middle spacing? And so I don't think Baylor's going to do that going forward. They switched a lot in the second half, and Baylor's guards aren't great at fronting. Whereas the championship team and like guys like James Akinjo could really front and fight for the ball. Right. So I think Baylor's strength though is the big men are pretty mobile when they have a head of space, and Josh and Eve Missy are real long guys that have good instincts on the perimeter. So I would expect Baylor to maybe trap the ball more, 
forces out of somebody's hands. And where I think Jacoby Walter is a good defender, and as you mentioned, Ashley, he does an excellent job if the ball gets deep, recovering and blocking shots. So I'd like to see Baylor try and just employ trapping the ball screen a ton yeah. and say somebody else is going to have to beat us and let's go wild with this um, and simplify things. But I don't think things are lost, but I'm really excited Baylor has a week to prepare and get ready for everything and not have to worry about Tuesday night in Provo or going to Morgantown or eating Skyline Chili this week. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, there there's tough games ahead, but they do have four of the next six at home you got to pick off UCF on the road. That's, I mean, you, you miss these two opportunities. Uh, you got TCU at home and then, and then next Wednesday they got UCF. Uh, so you got to go get that win. And then, and then you got, you know, two tough games at home with Iowa state and Texas tech. You know, those are going to be teams that will really get after you defensively, but uh, you should, you should win your home games. You should beat TCU at home. And then you got, you go to Kansas, uh, you know, we'll probably chalk that up as a loss uh, just because we know how tough it is to win there. And then you got Oklahoma at home. Then, then you got some games like West Virginia and BYU back to back. And then, you know, so I mean, there's, there's, um, I, I like how the schedule sets up. You know, I think, I think the Bears have a chance to, you know, maybe win four of the next or five of the next six. Uh, you know, probably four out of six would be a more reasonable expectation. But, uh, you know, you got to, you got to protect home court. If, if you go nine and zero at home, you're going to definitely give yourself a chance to win this league. You are. And, you know, everything's still in front of Baylor. Nothing is lost. I still just get passionate about Baylor basketball because last year's Baylor football game, I mean, credit to S11 and Travis for going out there and writing every week about it. But there were only so many ways to say every opponent just is better than Baylor down the stretch. The basketball team still inspires passion because they can get to a loftier position. And that's why we make the comments we make about, hey, improve here, improve here, because the dream is not dead. And there's still is hope for this team. Right. Yeah. I totally agree with, with all of what you just said. Well, um, we'll, we'll probably discuss, uh, a really important game against uh, TCU in the coming week, but they do have some time off to improve and hone, hone some things. You know, I, I do think it's, it's a journey and you know, these, these last two games on the road were much better than the, uh, two games in December, uh, you know, much more competitive. Obviously, you know, I, I think, you know, maybe Duke and Michigan State are better than these two teams. But, um, you know, Big 12 games and hostile environments and, uh, you know, just weren't able to, you know, get get the job done. And, and uh, we'll, we'll hope for better results uh, Saturday night and uh, a full house at Foster. And we really need to give these guys a lift and, and give them the home court advantage they deserve. Oh, absolutely, Ashley. All right, great talking to you, Kendall. Um, enjoy the uh, shopping with the uh, fiancé, and um, you, you uh, have a great rest of the night. Sick and Bears. Heck yeah.